Well, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be up here and speak to all of you tonight. Um, I just love all of you so much, and I don't take for granted to have 15 minutes to be able to share with you. Um, I do want to start out by saying this, that what I'm going to share, as you hear me sharing it, you may think that I'm telling a story, or you may think that I'm teaching a lesson. But I want it to be very clear right up front that what I'm doing is I'm giving a testimony. My testimony. And so, Father, I just want to thank you so much. I pray, Lord, that my words would glorify you, that they may help your people, and that they would embarrass hell. In Jesus' name. Last Wednesday, Noah preached a message on waiting on the Lord. So if you weren't here, if you haven't listened to that, please go do that. And what he was telling us is how important it is as the people of God that as we are making decisions and living our life and doing all the things that we do, that we are consulting the Lord. That we're not just out there just making decisions based on our flesh, our desires, our part of mind, our, our human wisdom, but that we are seeking the Lord for the direction that he would have us to go. But I want to read this one statement that he made. He said, we have to wait for God in his mercy and grace to rebuild everything that we have destroyed so we can get back on the plan of God because we missed the direction for our life. We got off the freeway at the wrong turn. And so that's who I want to talk to tonight is people who have gotten off the freeway at the wrong turn. Now, those of us who are followers of Jesus and we love him and we want to walk with him and we want to obey him and we want everything we do to honor him and we just want our life to bring him pleasure. But we all know that in the holiest seasons of our life, when we have been so diligent to try and do everything right and obey the Lord and walk with him in every single way, we all know that even in those times, we have fallen short. That even in those times, we have found that there are there's sin. There's we, maybe we've gotten angry and let an angry word out of our mouth, or maybe we have judged somebody in our heart. But we have found that even when we are doing our best, we are still falling short. And you know, there are some sins that we deal with in our life. We're going along the freeway, walking with God, and we have one of those sins, and it doesn't run us off the freeway. It might just make us swerve in our lane a little bit, but we repent, and we just get right back on track, and we just keep moving with the Lord. But sometimes, there are other sins that will totally throw us off of the freeway. And what I'm talking about is, it may be a, a really, a really bad one, a really bad sin, something really horrific. Or it could be a season of sin that you're in. Or it could be that it's a cycle of sin. It's a besetting sin. And you keep falling into this sin over and over and over. And it's not as simple as just swerving back into your lane and continuing on. You find yourself off the freeway and in the ditch. And in a moment, you find yourself having done a face plant into the pig pen. Not a pleasant place to be. You know, I think of the prodigal son, when he was in his kitchen, we read through this story, and sometimes we don't realize the gravity of what God is telling us in this story. We read this and about how he came to himself in the pig pen. He came to himself and he returned to the father's house. What we don't see in that verse, but what is the reality, is it wasn't a sweet little moment. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, 
humiliated himself, and it was a revelation of what he had done yes. and the horror of it. That's what it means to come to yourself. Yes. And it's a good place to be, and it's a painful place to be at the same time. So he came to himself, and it says, then he said, I'm going to return to my father's house. And that return to the father's house, I'm going to tell you what that return to the father's house is like. The whole way that you are going back to the father's house, you are being assaulted by accusation. The accusations that come from your own heart and the ones that come from the enemy. And they are so intermingled, you don't know which one is which. But all you know is that you agree with every single one of them. Yes, that's right. You are a failure. Yes, that's right. Yes, I am. You have totally disgraced God and yourself. Yes, that's right. It's right. It's all right. It's all right. And so as you're returning to the Father's house, do you understand now why the prodigal is, is preparing himself with the terms and conditions? Because he, he has seen himself in a way that he has never seen himself before. And he realizes that he deserves absolutely nothing. And he believes that the Father might feel this way too. So let me just go ahead and prepare that when I get there, and so we begin to prepare. What are we going to say? Father, if I could just come back. If I could just come back to your house. You know, I, I won't ask for anything. I, I won't ask you for anything. You don't have to give me back anything that I wasted in the big end. You don't have to give me back any of that. You don't have to do any of that. I, I, what I will do is I will not ask you for anything. And I just want to come back and I'm going to, I'll just, I'll sit right over here and I'm going to be quiet and I'll be good. I promise I won't be a problem. Just let me come back to the Father's house. And you consign yourself to the life of a second place kingdom citizen. And the Father knows of no such thing. He knows of no such thing. But you walk around evening having returned to the Father's house like Pigpen from Charlie Brown. Remember him? Everywhere he went. The big old cloud of dust. Everywhere he went. And that's what it feels like. Everywhere you go. The big cloud of your failure. To the front, to the back, every side. Everything you see in life is through that cloud. And you believe that everybody who sees you looks at you through that cloud of failure. It's a difficult place to be. But it's a place where we are perfectly positioned for a new revelation of God. I want to read Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the Holy Spirit. The God of hope. For us to understand the power of what this verse is telling us, we have to understand what the word hope means. This is the force of that whole verse. Because when we use the word hope, we use it like the word wish. And we might say, I hope the McDonald's ice cream machine is working. <laughs> Which you already know, don't you? You already know. <laughs> that is not biblical hope. When God calls himself the God of hope, here's what that word hope means. It means the confident expectation of good. 
That means God is confident and he knows that he can and he will do good for you. One of the things... know about me is that I have a horrible sense of direction. I, I, have, I have absolutely zero sense of direction. I get turned around really easily. Even locally, even in Baton Rouge sometimes, if I'm not sure where I'm going, I am going to put my GPS on because I'm just not sure. And if I, if I get lost, I'm, I'm never going to find myself. I'll never find my way out. You'll have to send a search party to come and get me. So it is inevitable that I will make a wrong turn. I'll, I'll make a wrong turn. And there's this moment of, oh no, oh no, I'm, I'm going the wrong way. But I just pick up my GPS and I'll look at my GPS and it says, rerouting. <laughs> it says rerouting. And so my GPS is going to bring me to my destination. It might take me a different way. But it's going to get me there. The God of hope is able to get us where he wants us to go. If you feel like if you have failed, like you have forfeited everything God had purpose for you, every plan, every gift, every anointing, all the things he gave to you, and you're like, I disqualified myself because of what I've done. The father says, rerouting, rerouting. Now you may go a different way. Maybe originally you were on a road that led you right by the beach and you could see the beautiful sunset over the water and it was so sweet and serene. And so maybe you get rerouted through downtown. <laughs> you know, it's not quite as beautiful, but I'm going to tell you what. When you get to that destination, you are not going to care how you got there. He is the God of hope. He is the God who knows that he will do good for us in spite of us. Yeah. And this verse says that he will fill us with all joy and peace in believing. And so in our worst seasons, in our most hopeless times, in the midst of our despair, when we know that we have set our life on fire with our own hands and we sit on the ash heap of it, the God of hope says... If you'll just believe me, if you will just believe me that still I can do good for you, that still I want to do good for you, that your sin does not limit me and it has not surprised me, that it is not sin almighty, it is God almighty. And if we can just grab hold of that in our moments of failure and in those moments when we feel disqualified, he said, if you just believe me. Even in that, you can have joy and you can have peace. And then you also can abound in hope as you believe the God of hope. He is the God of hope. So, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you are the God of hope, that there is nothing impossible for you. I want to thank you for your endless mercy and your boundless grace on our worst days, in our worst seasons. I thank you that you are a redeemer of all things. And so I want to give you glory and I want to honor you with my testimony that you have made me an overcomer, that you have rerouted my life, and that you have brought me into the glorious 
fulfillment of a God who will do good for us, even in our worst seasons. So I praise you, 